0: Welcome to the NBA Dynasty Podcast. We are back, and thank you so much to all of you for the incredible reception to our first episode last week. The likes, the comments, the subscriptions on YouTube, it was all overwhelming, and that's why I'm back. I'm your host, Matt Lawson, at NBA Dynasty ADP on Twitter, and we're going to try to do this every week. We're going to try to come back to you with more Dynasty content because the people are demanding it, and they deserve it. Because this is dynasty season, and there are so many things that we need to be able to get to, even before the NBA offseason begins. Yes, we're in the midst of the playoffs right now, and there's some incredible basketball being played. But if you are a dynasty manager, you are preparing for the offseason. You're getting ready to make those offseason trades, getting ready for your offseason rookie draft, and already thinking ahead to where teams' rotations, starting lineups, roles for young players are headed in the 23. 24 season. That's the work that we do to be able to dominate our leagues. And it's the work that we're going to be doing today. Now, before we get into all that, before we get into today's topic, if you have not already, please head on over to fbibasketball.com. And you'll find a link there to be able to join the Fantasy Basketball International Discord community, the best fantasy basketball discord in the world, if I don't say so myself. And while you're at FBIBasketball.com, make sure that you check out all of the wonderful free content, including Adam King's way too early rankings for the 23-24 season. We're going to continue to put out some amazing content in the future. I'm already putting some of the finishing touches on my way too early rotation and minutes projections for the upcoming season. A process that I do because it helps me to be able to understand where things are headed before they go there. And it's so important as a dynasty manager to do that. To be able to look ahead, see where things are headed, understand where player values are going to be shifting, where minutes are going to be shifting in the upcoming season, because there is no better time to get value in a trade. Than the offseason when people's opinions of players, roles, teams are all locked into what just happened in the previous season. And a lot of people haven't even thought of where things are going to be headed in the new season. And we know things shift dramatically because of the draft, because of free agency, because of trades, that a third of the league is likely to turn over onto new teams in the upcoming season, and that things will shift dramatically as players develop, improve, or get worse. And that's the stuff that we're going to be looking ahead to this year, the the stuff that we're going to be looking ahead to all offseason and what we're going to be focusing on today. Now, if you want to be able to put the wind in the sails of this show, if you want to be able to help contribute to the independent fantasy content that I'm doing, to be able to keep it moving, uh, I ask you to take a look at my Patreon page, patreon.com slash NBA Dynasty ADP. And for a mere $5 a month, you get access to my premium dynasty rankings and a lot of exclusive content that I don't put out anywhere else. I'm going to be doing a lot of work on the 2023 NBA draft class that's going to be available exclusively on there. You're going to get my rookie rankings there first. You're going to get all of the advanced analytics that I look at for NBA draft, draft prospects there. Uh, you're going to be able to get the full picture of what this offseason is going to look like because you're going to be getting my exclusive minutes and rotations projections earlier than anyone else there as well. So please check it out. Uh, I promise to make it worth your while and thank you to all of you that are already supporting me on Patreon, it makes all the difference in the world to be able to have that support and makes this content possible. Now, we are less than two weeks away from the most consequential NBA draft lottery uh, since LeBron James entered the NBA in 2003. Uh, 14 teams have a chance on May 16th to win the number one pick and the right to select Victor Weminyama. And yes, there is no debate. Victor Weminyama will be the number one pick in this draft. And I would say with almost absolute certainty that whoever wins the number one pick in on the May 16th NBA draft lottery is not going to trade that pick. Because there's just too much value, both on court and off the court, in having Victor Weminyama be the new face of your franchise. And certainly, there are a number of teams that are in this lottery who already have a face of their franchise. But Victor Weminyama's star will probably outshine almost any of them. Save for perhaps Luka Doncic, it's difficult to imagine any player outshining Victor Weminyama's star when he comes in. And why? Because Victor Weminyama is arguably the best prospect that has come into the draft since LeBron James, and and some people would argue even a better prospect than LeBron James. I'm not ready to go there yet, just because of what LeBron brought as an on-ball creator at his size was so special. And you saw that immediately upon him entering the NBA. That that's a difficult shadow uh, for Victor Wembanyama to live in. But if anybody can do it, it is Victor Wembanyama, Seven foot five, uh, reportedly. And able to play on ball, has a handle, uh, is able to create his own shot, has become a volume three-point shooter and is absolutely devastating on the defensive end as a rim protector, a strong rebounder, a player who develop, has developing playmaking ability for his size. R- truly, the sky is the limit with Victor Weminyama. And, and that's why he could he is going to completely change the landscape of both the NBA and fantasy basketball once he enters in this upcoming season. To be able to talk about Victor Wimanyama, we have to talk from a statistical perspective because it shows how special he is, especially for a 19-year-old to be doing this. If you're watching along on YouTube, you can see those statistics up there. This is all from Victor Wimanyama's latest season with Mets 92 in France. And yes, the French League is not the best basketball league in Europe. It is... However, a league full with professional players, a lot of players who would be successful in the G league players who were high level college players. And it's to be honest, full with grown men. And we saw this with Luka Doncic players who play at this level, who are amongst the best or the best players in a professional league at, as a teenager, the bust rate of those players is extraordinarily low. When we have had players come over from Europe, uh, from international leagues at often, they, they have been bust because they were not that productive in the professional leagues that they came from. And there's a correlation there between performance where you see these high level performers in international leagues. If they're coming over at a young age, they are almost certainly going to be good NBA players. It's happened time and time again with the players who have achieved at a high level coming from overseas to the NBA as teenagers. Weminyama's season was scintillating put up 21.7 points per game, 1.63 pointers, 10.1 rebounds, 2.3 assists, and averaged almost a steal and 3.1 blocks. And what's truly exciting for fantasy is the fact that Wembenyama was able to put up an 82.8 free throw percentage. And that actually improved throughout his season. He started a little bit below that in the seventies, but by the final two thirds of his season, he was around hovering around 90% from the line uh, through most of that the portion of that season. Now, if that's the level of shooting that he's going to be able to develop, and I think there's a good reason to believe that he will, given how much his three-point shooting confidence and volume increased this season, if he's going to be a good free throw shooter, If he's going to be a positive contributor in fantasy in free throw percentage, then that is truly a game changer because this skill set by itself, this stat set that you're seeing with 3.1 blocks, he's going to average over two blocks a game. That alone gives him a top 25 floor very quickly in fantasy. And then add on to that scoring ability, three point shooting ability, the fact that he's going to be a strong rebounder, and then he's good at, at the free throw line as well. I mean that stat set has the potential to be the number one player in fantasy across his prime. He could do what Anthony Davis did for a long time, and th- there there are some similarities in the stats out there. Even though Davis was never as prolific of a th- three point shooter as Weminyama projects to be, Davis brought excellent blocks to the table, strong strong enough percentages before the more recent dip in his free throw percentage and strong rebounds, the big man stats, plus the scoring. That truly made the difference for Anthony Davis and made him the number one player in fantasy, or at least contending for that, across his prime years in New Orleans and carried over into some of his seasons so far with the Los Angeles Lakers. With Wembenyama, where the areas of improvement are pretty obvious, his shot selection uh, was more three-point and mid-range focus, and that's why you see the field goal percentage down at 46.8%. Just because of the volume that he was shooting, where he was getting to his spots in the mid-range and also taking three-pointers, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit for him if he's uh, taking more attempts near the basket, more attempts in the paint, just because of his size is going to allow him to be able to finish at a high level, which he did in this past season. It just wasn't what he was set up for in their offense. He drove and was the offensive engine of his team's offense. He had the ball on the perimeter quite a bit. If you watch the highlights, what you don't see is Victor Weminyama backing people down, playing in the paint, getting set up for a ton of lobs. I mean, he certainly had a number of putback dunks. He put back his own three-point miss uh, famously in the last few weeks at the end of his season that's the kind of player that he can be. The highlights are incredible. There's a reason people are referring to him as an alien because you're seeing things on the court that we've never really seen before the skill level for a player who's reportedly seven foot five is just truly insane to watch. And it's going to change the NBA game. I don't know how, how NBA defenses are going to be able to handle it. And I can't wait to find out. Uh, but to look at the the advanced stats on the right hand side that you're looking at here some of these rebound the rebound rate is extremely strong the assist rate at 13.8%. And that's not an extremely strong assist rate, but it's a huge improvement from his prior seasons and it's the area where I think we could see him improve the most in his NBA career. I think Victor Wembanyama because of the scoring gravity that he's going to have because of the way that he's going to cause uh, a fire drill for NBA defenses could end up, as he learns to be able to make basic reads, get a good number of assists. And that's something that I think could grow significantly throughout the early years of his NBA career. That 10.1% block rate puts him into a pretty elite category as a draft prospect. Um, There have only been nine other players in the last, uh, since 2012, who are NBA draft lottery prospects who have had over a 10% block rate. That puts Wembenyama in the same category as Joel Embiid, Miles Turner, Jaron Jackson Jr., Anthony Davis, uh, some of the best shot blockers in the NBA. Uh, but what truly separates Wembenyama as a prospect is that none of those other prospects averaged over 20 points in their pre-draft season. None of them had over 1.53 pointers in their pre-draft season. None of them had an assist rate this high. And none of them hit those numbers against professional competition, against grown men. And when Minyama was doing this as a 19-year-old, all of those things suggest that he is 100% the unique and once-in-a-generation prospect that he's touted to be. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. is probably the most similar pre-draft profile uh, when you're looking at the advanced metrics, but the scoring is just on a truly different level than it was for Triple J. Uh, Weminyama is really a prospect without a modern comparison. We just have not seen a player this size, this big, who has this skill level and this confidence with his outside shooting. To be a potential three level scorer at seven foot five, it defies physics, it defies reality. And it's something that is going to be so exciting to see in the NBA. I am thrilled to see not only where he lands in the upcoming draft lottery, uh, but to actually just get to see him on the court against NBA talent. It's going to be special, Um, and that's why I'm doing this show, because I want to talk about what it's going to look like in the 23-24 season when when Minyama is out on the court, uh, when he's on one of these 14 lottery teams. And that's kind of mind-blowing to think about. He will be on one of these 14 teams. We'll talk about those odds. We'll talk about what those starting lineups are going to look like. Um, And we're going to get straight into it with the first team, uh, the number one odds in the 2023 NBA Draft Lottery because of having the worst record in the NBA this past season, the Detroit Pistons. They have 14% odds for number one, um, and they share those number one odds at 14% with the Houston Rockets and the San Antonio Spurs, who are the number two and number three teams in the draft lottery standings. Now, that's a 42% probability across those three teams that Victor Wembanyama goes to either the Pistons, the Rockets, or the Spurs. So, while it is likely, it, it's, it's a strong possibility that he's going to go to one of those three teams. It's actually more likely that he goes to one of the other eleven teams. That's a 58% likelihood that Weminyama is going to Charlotte, Portland, Orlando, Indiana, Washington, Utah, Dallas, Chicago, Oklahoma City, Toronto, or New Orleans. All of those would be incredibly dynamic, league changing. Moves Because listing through those teams, a lot of foundational pieces are already in place for many of them. And adding Victor Weminyama would truly change those teams, launch them forward into, in the long term, uh, being contenders for NBA titles, I think, because of how special Weminyama is going to be. So when we look at the Pistons here, they have the number one odds. They have the 14% odds for number one. The lowest that they can fall is to the number five pick. But here, looking at their projected starting lineup, if they did get the number one pick, we, of course, see Jay Nivey and Kate Cunningham in the backcourt. Uh, Bohan Bogdanovich, I think, will be the starting uh, small forward, even though he can often play power forward uh, in a smaller lineup. But you definitely need his spacing out on the court. As we saw with the Pistons last year, their offense struggled mightily when Bogdanovich was not in the lineup. And Victor Weminyama would slot in at power forward. Now, many of you would say, hey, he's a seven foot five. Why wouldn't he be the center? Why, why would we still have Jalen Duran in the starting lineup in this projected starting lineup? Weminyama is not a center in his play style. Um, and his team has said that the goal for him is not to pack on weight. They don't want him to be playing at a heavier weight. And I think the, the history of the NBA bears out that that's a smart choice. Uh, the more a player weighs, as we're seeing with Zion Williamson right now, the more impact on their body from playing the NBA game, especially in the modern game where you're just moving so much more than you ever were in prior decades of the NBA. And to carry around a lot of weight on an NBA court and to do it for 30 plus minutes a night for a guy who's seven foot five it would almost inevitably lead to leg and foot injuries that would derail his career. I think it's a smart choice for him to maintain a lighter build. And I think his play style is more conducive to being a power forward. Uh, And I think that's what we'll see him, especially early on in his career play. Uh, Now, later on, maybe he's going to end up being a center and playing next to a more traditional four. That's entirely possible. But especially for his rookie season, especially for, I think, while he's on his rookie contract, we're going to see Wem and Yama play more power forward. And that's what I think would happen here with the Pistons. Uh, play next to Jalen Duran would be a perfect fit because Duran would be able to bang down low despite being a teenager himself. He already has an NBA center's body. He has the strength to be able to play against the big centers in the NBA. And then you're not subjecting Wem and Yama to playing down low against those players. No, Victor Wem and Yama is not going to bang in the post with Joel Embiid right now. Uh, he may never be in that position, but that's not his game, and I think that's something that he could develop later on, but not something that he needs to de- develop early on in his NBA career. Now, When we're looking at the Pistons in their offseason, whether they add Wembenyama or not, the big question, of course, is what are they going to do with all these front court players? We know Kate Cunningham is going to come back into the role that Kate Cunningham already had in his NBA career, but... Are the Pistons going to continue to prioritize minutes for James Wiseman, Marvin Bagley III, uh, and Isaiah Stewart? And in this scenario, where they're adding Victor Wembanyama, that front-court crunch just becomes, frankly, ridiculous. We're going to be in a position where there's really no way to be able to play all five front-court players, talking about Weminyama, Durin, Isaiah Stewart, Bagley, Wiseman. It just isn't going to work. So I think in this scenario, you would likely see the Pistons either try to move Marvin Bagley out, which might be difficult because of his contract, or they just decide to give up on the James Wiseman project, move him along for a second round pick package, uh, something similar to maybe what they traded him out on, and they just get out on that experiment entirely. Uh, because adding Weminyama would change their priorities. They don't need to try to find out if Wiseman can develop into a competent defensive center if they add Victor Weminyama on top of having Jalen Duran already. So I think you would likely see Wiseman or Bagley or both moved out in this scenario. In the situation where the Pistons are not adding Mm -hmm. Victor Weminyama and are picking between two and number five it's likely that they won't be adding a front court player it's possible at five they could be adding someone like Jairus Walker but it's more likely than not they're going to be adding in uh someone on the wing Um, maybe they are bringing in Scoot Henderson and that would obviously dramatically change things as well but I think you kind of can already see the shape of what this Pistons lineup is going to look like adding in a top five pick. They're going to be trying to push ahead next year, make the play in. And I think you're going to be seeing a lot of Alec Burks, a lot of Bogdanovich, Um, and you're going to be seeing a little bit less of some of the players that they've been trying to develop in the background. I don't expect R.J. Hampton to have a large role in this upcoming season, Uh, and I don't know if they're going to be gifting minutes um, that are not productive to Bagley and Wiseman, even in a scenario where they don't add Wembenyama. I think the shift is going to be to try to be a competent defensive team, Uh, and we'll see what their head coaching hire is because I think that could play a big role in this as well. Finally, the Pistons also have the number 31 overall pick, um, a premium second-round pick. Last year, uh, they took Gabriel Prochita, who stayed overseas, and there's no word yet that he's going to be coming over this season. They might continue to stash him. It's possible that they do something similar with that pick, um, just because roster spots are a little bit tight on this roster, but we'll see what's available at that selection. Um, And then as far as free agency, you see Hamadou Diallo, Corey Joseph, Rodney Magruder, all unrestricted free agents. I think it's possible that they bring back Diallo. He showed some nice improvement this past season. Um, And then you obviously have Buddy Baham and Jared Roden who are on two-way contracts who could be brought back. Um, I think it's probably more likely that the Pistons are going to uh, cycle through some new players in those two-way slots, some uh, new prospects, and see if they can develop them there. So the number two odds in the 2023 NBA draft are with the Houston Rockets. The Rockets, of course, still have the same 14% odds for the number one pick, uh, but they can fall as far back as the number six pick after winning the coin flip with the San Antonio Spurs for the second best odds. Now, this is a difficult rotation and starting lineup to project because, as we just saw, Emma Udoka has been brought in as the new head coach and promised at his opening press conference that there were going to be some significant changes to be able to improve the shooting, the veteran leadership on this team, and maybe to add in some different types of big men onto this roster. And that's been reported for a while. James Harden has been rumored to be uh, a potential addition to this team in free agency if he wants to leave Philadelphia, coming back to Houston. That would immediately change a lot in this roster. He would be slotted slotted in as the team's starting point guard. Kevin Porter Jr. would likely be moved to a backup role. Uh, that would be a dramatic shift. It's possible that they could bring in someone like Fred Van Vliet to be able to improve shooting, defense, and overall leadership on this roster. Because they have a tremendous amount of cap space, and they're one of the teams that is likely to be the most active in free agency because of that cap space. They're not really paying anyone on this roster right now, and I believe it leaves them with over $60 million in available cap space with the ability to maybe create more. They don't have a lot that is available in free agency or that is going to be heading out in free agency. It's just filled with the young players that they've drafted over the last three seasons. And in this scenario where Victor Weminyama comes in on this roster, again, I think he would slot in, and this is a little bit of an odd fit, but hear me out on it. I think he would slot in at power forward with Alperin Shangun at center, and I think they would probably play Jabari Smith Jr., Uh, technically at the three. And you might say, well, that doesn't make sense, Matt. He's Uh, 6'11". What is he going to be doing out there? Uh, Think back to Cleveland in the 21-22 season with Laurie Markkinen playing next to Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. I I think that Jabari Smith Jr., because of his game as a spacing uh, bigger player, is going to be able to continue to shoot threes and probably have a lot more open threes than he did this past season if they bring in Weminyama. And his... Calling card defensively in the long term is going to be his flexibility and versatility, his ability to be able to uh, defend multiple positions and, because of his length, because of his ability to move laterally, and I think this is something that they would try at least uh, because Weminyama is not going to uh, is not going to take a backseat to Jabari Smith Jr. And I think there will be a plan for Jabari, but this would obviously shift it. Um, otherwise, in this draft lottery, I think. Any other outcome would keep Jabari Smith Jr. at power forward, but this really big lineup is something you're going to see consistently across my projections across all 14 of these teams because I think Weminyama is best suited at power forward and they're going to put him in the position where he's best suited. This is what I think would happen in this scenario. Now, many of you might be looking at this and say, Matt, what about Tari Eason? I think Eason's minutes are going to improve this year. I think he's a player that Udoka is going to uh, develop and want to develop because of his defensive ability. And Udoka has uh, shown a knack for developing defensive identity um, with the Celtics. I think that he will be able to do that in Houston. And Eason's going to be one of the players that allows him to do it. Um, as far as what Yudoka said about bringing in different types of bigs, I think that Shangoon is definitely still part of the long-term foundation for the Rockets. I, I think that Yudoka showed in Boston that he has a strong willingness to play two bigs together played Al Horford and Robert Williams III a lot of minutes together and I could absolutely see that with what obviously if they get Wim and Yama I think they're going to be playing multiple bigs together Uh, but also I could see them bringing in uh, a more athletic defensive center Uh, and I think they already had that to some degree with Usman Garuba while Garuba's obviously a little bit raw offensively um, he's a guy who maybe can shoot some corner threes but doesn't do a whole lot else on offense he's a really good defensive player already at a young age and I think that he is going to benefit from having Yudoka come in. I think Yudoka will like Usman Garuba uh, because of the defensive qualities that are similar to Robert Williams III that he can bring to the table. I think he's stock up from Yudoka coming in, Um, and we'll get a little bit into this in the mailbag because I know there were some questions about it, but uh, overall, I think it's a wait and see to be able to see who else the Rockets are going to be bringing in. Udoka is going to stabilize this situation, but it's really going to come down to the players that they add in that are going to affect the values of these young players rather than just M.A. Udoka himself. The team with the third best odds in the 2023 NBA Draft Lottery is, of course, the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, The Spurs were probably the most shameless in tanking this year, uh, sitting a number of their players throughout the year after a pretty good start in October and early November. Uh, We didn't see... Devin Vassell for long stretches of the season because of a knee surgery. Trey Jones missed some time. Keldon Johnson played most of the year, but missed some time as well as they rested a number of their their players. And we really saw Zach Collins come in uh, toward the end of the season and prove himself to earn a uh, potential to be the starting center next year, according to Greg Popovich. Now, again, in the scenario where the Spurs win the number one pick, I think Weminyama will slot in in the front court with Zach Collins. Uh, make a very large and interesting shot-blocking duo um, in that front court, and I I think that you will see Trey Jones brought back in restricted free agency um, on a what would be a lucrative backup point guard contract. I would imagine because I think long term he's going to be a high end backup point guard rather than a starter, uh, but it's very likely that he's going to be the starting point guard for the Spurs heading into this next season. I think Devin Vassell and Keldon Johnson are likely to continue to be starters. And I understand this scenario seems to be a hit for Jeremy Sohan. And I think long-term Sohan is going to be a starter for the Spurs. I think he may even start next year um, in a lot of scenarios. They may decide to have Sohan uh, do a little bit more point. point Sohan play as a point forward um, and start over Trey Jones. They might have him out there instead of Keldon Johnson. If Kelden Johnson continues to struggle from three, like he did for many stretches of this past season, Um, I still believe in Jeremy Sohan. I think he's going to be a really good player. I think his versatility, both defensively and offensively, is going to make him a long-term starter. And that's why the Spurs, who are usually reluctant to start rookies, started him for most of the season. Uh, Here, yes, I think he does move into a backup role, at least as an opening night projection for the Spurs. But that does not mean that I'm giving up on Sohan as a prospect. Um, And if they don't bring in Weminyama, there's a very good chance that Sohan is starting in this lineup in that slot. Beyond that, I think Malachi Branham is going to have a big roll off of the bench in this upcoming season. Uh, Branham as a uh, pull-up jump shooter was excellent this past year. Um, put him in pretty rare territory as a rookie uh, with his pull-up shooting. I think he can be a long-term three-level scorer. um, While in fantasy, he's a little bit deficient in defensive stats, doesn't bring a ton of assists to the table. I do think he can develop um, as a playmaker and, you know, maybe a little bit of a poor man's Jamal Murray in the long term. Uh, And that's something that could be really valuable. A guy who could have multiple top 100 seasons if he hits some of his higher end outcomes. I like Branham a lot, and I think he's going to continue to have a good role on this team next year, regardless of it if they get Weminyama or not. And, if you're looking on YouTube at this potential rotation and roster for next year, you see that there's a lot of uh, unrestricted and restricted free agents, not a lot of players that are already under contract for the upcoming season. And the Spurs also are have the number 32 and number 44 picks in this draft, uh, which will add in more young talent, depending on whether those are players who are international players that they stash or players that they immediately have on their roster next year. We will see. Uh, but we'll expect more change because this roster is young, undeveloped, and it doesn't have that many pieces of what will be its long-term foundation. The team with the next uh, best odds, the uh, they have 12.5% odds at number one. Number four, overall odds in the 2023 NBA Draft Lottery, the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, it was an awful season for the Hornets. Uh, Lamello Ball could not stay healthy playing on a bad ankle and then finally succumbing to a pretty severe ankle injury that I think he will have recovered from by the start of next season. Terry Rozier suffered um, as he more was demanded of him with ball out. His efficiency plummeted in that higher uh, volume role. And Miles Bridges was out for the entire season. As we heard reported, uh, Adam Silver Uh, reached an agreement with Bridges for him to sit out the entire season, seemingly in return for a lesser suspension in the upcoming season, where he'll only miss the first 10 games of the year. Uh, The Hornets retain the rights to match any offer that will be made to Bridges in restricted free agency this offseason. And I would anticipate that ultimately he'll come to terms on a new deal with the Hornets. The Hornets are just not in a position uh, to give away uh, Bridges' talent. And despite the absolutely horrific uh, allegations and the, the admission of guilt, uh, no contest plea by Bridges to domestic violence this past season. He's too talented for the NBA not to keep him employed, and I think the Hornets will quietly try to bring him back on a long-term deal, and he will end up being in the starting lineup in this upcoming season once he concludes his suspension. In this scenario where Wembenyama ends up on the Hornets, uh, I think, again, he plays next to a traditional center in Mark Williams, who should be the starting center, playing in minutes in the high 20s in this upcoming season. Wembenyama would add uh, probably a primary scoring option or at least a, a close second scoring option next to LaMelo Ball. Uh, They'd be a pretty electric fit next to each other. And I think as far as on-court excitement, uh, the Pistons would be great with Kate Cunningham and Jay Nivey along with Victor Weminyama. LaMelo Ball and Victor would be fantastic as well. I would really enjoy getting to watch this. Um, And this Hornets' starting lineup would be pretty good. Uh, The problem, of course, is that the rest of the roster can leave something to be desired. I think Dennis Smith Jr., who's an unrestricted free agent, likely comes back uh, on a deal to be the backup point guard for the Hornets. And I would also project that they bring back P.J. Washington, though this would certainly be a hit to his fantasy value. If Washington does come back on a deal uh, through restricted free agency on a second contract with the Hornets, and they did get Wenbin Yama, that power forward role, Um, And some of those extra backup center, small ball center minutes, they just wouldn't be there uh, for P.J. Washington, and I think it would reduce his role a bit. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if the Hornets do win the number one pick. Are they bringing Washington back? Does he end up going out in a sign and trade? I think he's still a somewhat valuable player uh, because of his size, because he can space the floor a little bit. Um, there's there's going to be some interest in him, and I don't know if it'll come through sign and trade or restrict free agency, but you could see a scenario where if they do win when the Hornets decide to move on from Washington uh, rather than sign him to a new contract. Uh, I would expect that Kelly Oubre Jr. likely is not brought back just because the Hornets do have a number of other wings who are under contract, especially in this scenario where they bring back, bring, bring bridges back. I don't anticipate that they would bring Kelly Oubre back as well. Svi Mikhailuk was awesome uh, to conclude the season during tanking season. He might get brought back, uh, but he's not a player that the Hornets have invested in before. He just came in through trade. So I don't know if that's uh, going to be a part of their long-term plan, but certainly he showed enough to be able to earn a role at the end of an NBA roster uh, based on what we saw at the end of this past season. Overall with the Hornets, um, I expect Nick Richards to be the backup center next year. Kai Jones, still a developmental prospect. Maybe he's going to get some spot emergency minutes in their rotation, but I don't expect it to be a nightly role. Cody Martin should be back and healthy next year and likely falling into a role, maybe in the mid-20s, low 20s and minutes, depending on who is back for the Hornets. Gordon Hayward will shift back uh, next year, especially in the scenario where they're bringing in a top pick who's earning more rotation minutes. I think Hayward was overextended as a 30 30- plus minute starter last year. It showed on the court. And um, obviously, if the Hornets could, they would get off of that contract. But I think they'd have to give up assets to be able to move off of that money. So it's more likely than not that Hayward is going to continue on, but just maybe in a lesser role in this upcoming season. The team with the next best odds in the 2023 NBA draft is the Portland Trailblazers. They have 10.5% 10.5% odds for the number one pick, which is pretty strong. So it is a decent likelihood that Victor Weminyama could end up on this team. And boy, that would change their offseason plans dramatically. Um, the, the reports have been that if they don't win the number one pick, they're likely to trade that pick away. They're also likely to trade away Anthony Simons, based on some of the reporting that you're hearing, maybe packaging the pick and Simons together to be able to get another star to put alongside Damian Lillard to make one last attempt before Lillard Hopefully asked to leave. Uh, if the Trail trailblazers aren't able to put together a winning product, a playoff contention product this year uh, with whatever they do this offseason, it would be difficult to see Lillard continuing on with this team. And it sounds like they, he will be giving them one last chance this year to be able to put together that winning product. Uh, in this scenario where they add Weminyama, though, I don't think they move in for any Simons. I think they that's possible still, but I think it's likely that they could keep him on for one more season at least. Weminyama would slot in at power forward. Yusuf Nurkic would be the starting center, assuming that he's healthy. And Jeremy Grant might push down uh, to the three. And this lineup would be interesting. I don't know. Um, it might be a playoff team. It might be a play-in team. I don't know if this would be enough and I would potentially anticipate more moves. Maybe they do move Simons, uh, to be able to add something defensively next to Lillard that allows them to be a, uh, better winning team in the regular season because of the deficiencies defensively in that backcourt, holding them back. Uh, but adding in Weminyama power forward would alter this team's trajectory next season. And obviously every season going forward, um, In this scenario where Simon stays, uh, Shaden Sharp, while I think he would increase in minutes, he's not jumping up into a big starting role as would happen if Simon's uh, were traded, assuming that they don't bring back a shooting guard to play next to Lillard. And I think that you would see a lot of similar things otherwise in this rotation with Drew Eubanks likely brought back through uh, unrestricted free agency. I think he'll probably sign a deal to be the backup center at least next year, maybe beyond that, uh, because he did show well in a backup role this year. Justice Winslow is an unrestricted free agent. I think it's possible they don't bring him back considering that they also have to look at a uh, restricted free agency for Cam Reddish and Matisse Thibel. If those two are brought back on new deals, I think it probably pinches Winslow out of the picture. Um, and then they also have the number 23 and number 43 picks in this draft, which could put them in a scenario where they're bringing in two other young players Um, onto this roster. Maybe those picks will be traded out in a package as well. Certainly a lot of potential movement here. And the scenario where they bring in Weminyama likely keeps this roster more intact. Uh, But otherwise, you could see dramatic changes to this team. As you can see, they have a lot of pieces that are either in free agency or potentially on the trading block. And they're going to need to make a lot of moves to be able to add in, better to create a veteran rotation around Damian Lillard because there are simply just too many young players that aren't ready to contribute to winning on this roster right now. The team with the next best odds, the Orlando Magic, 9% odds for the number one pick. And boy, uh, the Magic have had a lot of success in the NBA draft lottery over the years, winning the number one pick uh, to get Shaq, to get uh, Chris Webber, and I'll ultimately trade him for Anthony Hardaway. Uh, they got the number one pick to get Dwight Howard. They obviously won the number one pick last year to get Paulo Boncaro. And here in this scenario... Wow, this would be a super-sized lineup, and I might get some pushback to this, but I'll I'll explain to you why I think this is the way that it would play out. Uh, I would project the starting lineup to be Markel Foltz, Franz Wagner, Paulo Banquero, Victor Weminyama, and Wendell Carter Jr. Now, it it doesn't take much to be able to see. That roster is, uh, other than Markel Foltz, who's not short himself, uh, all all over 6'10", it would be the largest starting lineup in the NBA but this is something that the magic experimented with last season. Um, they actually had around a 500 record in the month of December uh, playing Fultz, Wagner, um, Mo Wagner, and um, other uh, forwards, larger forwards, along with Paulo. Um, it was a lineup that was pretty super sized. They played bull bull in the starting lineup at times with Wagner playing shooting guard. Um, and it's something that I think they're comfortable doing because that size can be pretty overwhelming. They had good results Uh, around a 500 record in December, uh, playing a bunch of large, uh, six, 10 and above players. That's something that you could see more of this year. And I I think in this scenario with Victor Weminyama coming in, that's exactly what they would do. Uh, it's not going to put Wendell Carter Jr. on the bench because he's a defensively versatile big uh, who I think would fit in really well next to Victor Weminyama. Uh, this team would have presumably enough shooting to be able to make things continue to work with Markel Fultz out on the court. I think you're going to see big strides and improvement from Paulo Banchero as a three-point shooter in this upcoming season. Um, and I think that this team would have a lot of creation on ball. Uh, with Weminyama added in along with Wagner and Boncaro, it would be a thrill to watch. And I think this is the way that they would roll it out. It's possible uh, that you could see a lineup uh, with Gary Harris in it to be able to add more shooting, but I think Harris would likely move back into a rotation role. He is does have a portion of his salary non guaranteed in this upcoming season, but after a good 21, or 22, 23 season, I think Harris will be back. Um, I think you're going to see a smaller role for Bull Bull. I think you'll see. Mo Wagner uh, continue to be in that backup center role, even though they obviously still uh, potentially have Goga Batadze uh, returning next season. But more than anything, uh, what's going to be interesting with this team is that unless the Chicago Bulls move up into the lottery, they're also going to have the number 11 pick. So they're likely to be able to have a pick around the number six pick in the draft. They're also likely to have the number 11 pick in the draft as well. That's two more young players that are going to be coming in. And even if they don't win the lottery and get Weminyama, and uh, there's two more potential lottery picks coming in. To an already crowded roster filled with lottery picks. So there's got to be some consolidation at some point. And this might be the offseason that they do it. Uh, do they move Cole Anthony, who had a good season this past year? Do they move Jalen Suggs, who seems to kind of be locked out of? Uh, being in a starting role, if they're adding in another top lottery pick here. And that's potential. There's potential that they could play Fultz and Suggs together, but Suggs needs to make dramatic improvement as a shooter to be able to make that work long-term. And we just haven't seen it yet. I'm not giving up on Jalen Suggs, but there needs to be development in him, at least as a catch and, th- sh- catch and shoot three-point shooter. He's a good defensive player. Uh, I think he showed a lot of growth last year uh, and definitely improved in his shooting, but that, that, uh, A big leap needs to be able to happen for him to continue on that trajectory that we hoped he was going to be on when he was selected at number five overall in his NBA draft class. I don't know if they're going to get anything from Jonathan Isaac on the Magic next year. Um, Part of his contract is non-guaranteed. We'll see if they end up moving on from him entirely. Uh, That was part of the reason that they signed the contract and what they did with him, uh, where it has a lot of non-guarantees at the back end, because they knew it was possible that he just wasn't going to be able to stay healthy enough to be on an NBA court um and I have no clue what to expect from Isaac in this upcoming season how long his recovery will take that is a true unknown but ultimately I would not expect a whole lot uh Caleb Houston Uh, Didn't have a great rookie season. Uh, I think that maybe long-term he can be a rotation wing um, who can give you some spacing because of his three-point shooting ability. He has enough size that he's hypothetically someone who could be a solid defensive player that we haven't seen it yet. I don't expect big things for him in the upcoming season. Same for Chuma Okiki, um, who while he was a really interesting Uh, prospect coming out, uh, just hasn't developed enough offensively, uh, became a high volume three-point shooter, but just not at a high enough clip percentage-wise to be worthwhile to keep out there. Um, I like him defensively, but I just don't think he's going to be able to shoot well enough to be able to be a long-term rotation piece for the Magic or anyone else. So there's a lot to be unri- written here with the Magic. Um, obviously, adding Wem and Yama would create a pretty crazy starting lineup and long-term core for the Magic. I think they would be a playoff team next year um, in that scenario. Uh, but regardless, you're going to see two likely see two lottery picks coming in on this team unless the Bulls move up. Um, and that's going to necessitate some change. I cannot wait to see what's going to happen with this roster going forward. And I think you could sp- see some pretty dramatic change as a result of even more lottery talent coming in. The team with the next best odds is the Indiana Pacers, uh, who have 6.8% odds for the number one pick in this upcoming draft lottery wow, this would be a team on the rise in this scenario. Uh, obviously, Tyrese Halliburton would be your starter. I think Benedict Matherin likely moves into a starting role this year. We'll see what Rick Carlisle does. He obviously loves Andrew Nemhard, but I think long-term that is the backcourt pairing that I would expect to start for the Pacers. And I think that could happen as soon as this year. Uh, Buddy Heald continuing on as long as he's not traded um, at the small forward position. And then Victor Weminyama and Miles Turner in that frontcourt. Um That is a really, really interesting front court. Obviously, immense amounts of rim protection and shot blocking, along with the ability to be able to space the floor from three. Uh, Yes, we are back in the scenario to kind of a two bigs uh, situation in Indiana, but it's very different than Sabonis and Turner uh, because Victor Weminyama can play on the perimeter. In fact, it prefers to play on the perimeter. And I think the fit there uh, could be really special. The space that this, the geometry of the court that this would create uh, and what it would open up for Tyrese Halliburton. I think you could see Halliburton have an incredible season, a first team all NBA kind of season. And the Pacers would become a playoff team, I think overnight uh, by adding Weminyama. If they don't add Wembenyama, instead have a piddle pick in the middle of the lottery, um, you would likely see them probably add one of the uh, shooting wings that are in this draft class. Um, or, you know, a wing in general, uh, or perhaps someone like Jairus Walker, who I think could be a really excellent fit next to Miles Turner um, as the starting power forward for this team, which is really the hole that they need to be able to fill because it's not going to be Jalen Smith, as we saw this past year. Um, they need a front court pairing with Miles Turner that gives them a little bit more size, toughness, uh, and rebounding ability. Uh, and defensive ability with some versatility. That's why I think Jaris Walker would be such an ex- excellent fit for them. Uh, it gets a little bit more interesting on the bench because there are some nice pieces here. Uh, T.J. McConnell will obviously be back in a backup guard role uh, where he's excelled for a number of years. Andrew Nemhardt, I think, will continue on in a large role on this team uh, because he is obviously a favorite of Rick Carlisle and had a great rookie season. Aaron Neesmith uh, really came on as the season went on. He's still not consistent, but you saw a lot of strong games from him, and The idea of Aaron Neesmith is extremely valuable in the NBA. Uh, he's a large wing, uh, with shooting ability, uh, showed pretty well defensively this year. I think that the, uh, starter kit for a really good NBA rotation wing, even starting wing is there with Neesmith and they'll continue to develop that. We also saw really nice things from Jordan Nora this past season. And I think he will continue to have a a nightly rotation role for the Pacers. Um, looks to see, we'll look to see if he continues on the strong shooting that we saw from him in the second half. Once he came over to the Pacers, Um, And then, of course, there's the ongoing drama of What in the world is Rick Carlisle doing with Isaiah Jackson with Jalen Smith? Are we going to see the merry-go-round of the two of them backing up Miles Turner continue? Um, Can Jackson lock down the backup center role? I I truly hope that that's what happens this year. I don't think long-term Jalen Smith is going to be a part of the core uh, for Indiana. I think Isaiah Jackson could be the long-term backup center for Indiana. I have a little less hope of him becoming a long-term starter at this point. While it's still possible because he hasn't gotten to play that much, I just don't know if he's going to be in enough of an impact defensive player to warrant being a more limited offensive player as a starting center. But we've seen, because the block rate is absolutely ridiculous for Isaiah Jackson, if he just gets minutes in the high teens, uh, he can be fantasy relevant even in standard leagues because he could be near the league lead in blocks uh, with that limited minute load. So I am hopeful that Jackson can win that backup center role in this upcoming season. Um, And otherwise, I don't know what's going to happen with Jalen Smith. I don't know what's going to happen with Chris Duarte uh, because this roster is going to get more crowded, and their their performance this past season uh, didn't necessarily warrant big roles. And there are other players who might get prioritized over them. I do expect them to be in the rotation in some form, unless they're moved out of Indiana. Uh, but bringing in another lottery pick is only only going to make it a little bit more difficult, likely because that player is either going to be a wing, uh, maybe maybe a power forward, uh, based on who's going to be available at those picks. It's not likely to be a center or a. Player guard. And I think that the competition in those spots for those minutes is going to get a little more difficult. Even if Rick Carlisle is often not the most likely to play rookies, he showed a propensity to do it last year. Uh, so whoever is brought in as a rookie, um, and to be fair, the Pacers also have additional first round picks, uh, to have both the number 26 and number 29 pick in this upcoming draft as well. Um, Unless they consolidate those to be able to move up, you're seeing two additional rookies brought into this fold as well who might get rotation minutes. I'm really curious about this Indiana Pacers offseason. We'll hopefully try to have Rep Bauer on to talk about that at some point during the offseason to see where the Pacers are headed, especially once we see the lottery results. Uh, This is a team with a lot of talent and a lot of pieces that could be moving into playoff contention in the near future with a healthy Tyrese Halliburton, and I'm really eager to see what they do uh, to get a NBA playoff rotation ready. The next best odds are owned by the Washington Wizards, who have 6.7% odds for the number one pick. Uh, This is going to be an interesting offseason for the Wizards, as they just fired Tommy Shepard, are going to be bringing in a new uh, head of their front office. And they have some big decisions to make because both Kyle Kuzma and Christoph's Porzingis have player options that they are likely to decline and sign long-term contracts after having really strong 22-23 seasons. Uh, it's going to take big money to be resigned, both of those players, and it would lock the Wizards into a long-term core of Bradley Beal, Kyle Kuzma, and Christoph's Porzingis if they did. Um, what happens in the lottery could uh dramatically impact what the wizards do with those players. Uh here I'm projecting that they do bring back Kuzma and Porzingis and that they would start Wimbinama and, and Porzingis together in the front court, uh, with Kuzma bumping down to small forward, again being a larger small forward, but I think that would be the lineup that the Wizards would go with. And that of course would be with a Monty Morris Bradley Beal backcourt as we saw this past season. And In the rotation, there's still the same kind of cast of characters that we saw. All perform relatively well last year. De'Lon Wright had a great season in both fantasy and real life. Uh, A personal fan favorite of mine. He just tends to excel wherever you put him and finds his way into minutes on any team that he's on, even though he continues to shift to new teams every season. I think Wright will continue to be a strong uh, third guard on this team next season, even in this scenario, Um, or in any scenario, he's likely to continue on in that role. Uh, Johnny Davis uh, was obviously a massive disappointment as a lottery pick this past year. Uh, Couldn't crack the rotation until the Wizards finally threw up the white flag and started to tank at the end of the season, but we saw some competent flashes from him in silly season. I think they will do everything they possibly can to work him into the rotation um, as a guard this upcoming season, even though Jordan Goodwin might still be a better player than Johnny Davis uh, in the 23-24 season. They need to be able to get Davis reps. They need to try to build up his confidence, and hopefully he can at least become a third guard for them long term. Uh, But there was a lot of room for improvement needed from what we saw in his rookie campaign. Corey Kispert is uh, a player who really had a nice season, I think uh, can fit in on any NBA team, as uh, at least in the regular season, as a strong outside shooter, uh, who also is a strong finisher when he gets to the rim. Uh, I like Kispert's offensive efficiency. He's just not a very good defensive player, probably never will be a good defensive player, probably will be a liability if he ever gets to play playoff basketball for the Washington Wizards. And while I think he'll hold down a solid regular season role with the Wizards in any scenario uh, coming out of this offseason, He's not a player that I love in fantasy because he's just limited in what he's going to bring to the table, even in big minutes. Uh, So a solid player, a player that I think is going to hold down a rotation role for a long time because of his outside shooting and overall efficiency, uh, but not a player that I'm looking to invest in in fantasy. Uh, Danny Avdia uh, would take a big hit in this scenario where Victor Wembenyama comes in because it's just another big (laughs) high usage uh, forward coming in that is going to block him from ascending to a larger role. And even if they don't bring in Wembinyama, even if they don't bring in direct competition, it's still difficult in a scenario where Kuzma and Porzingis stay on this roster to see Avdia bumping up to a 30-plus minute role that he needs to be uh, a strong fantasy player. Uh, And we saw again what Avdia brings to the table when he did get to play bigger minutes. Uh, He can score. He can um, contribute solidly in the rebounding and steals categories, but the shooting just isn't there. And that's what's holding him back. He's a good defensive player. If he were a competent catch and shoot three point shooter, Avdia could be a starting, uh, a starting wing in the NBA. Um, He has the size for it. Um, I think he's a smart player. Uh, He's a good passer. This is a glue guy that could fit on any NBA roster. If he could shoot and we just haven't seen any indication that he's going to uh so we'll hold out hope i still think he's obviously part of the wizards rotation in any scenario coming out of this offseason but it's difficult to find a way uh to starters minutes for him right now and maybe he just needs a new team to be able to make it work but i don't think it's going to come in washington especially in the scenario where they bring in women the wizards also have the number 42 and number 57 picks in this upcoming draft um it'll be interesting to see what they do there the back of their roster is filled with various projects they brought in xavier cooks out of the nbl uh, near the end of this past season on a longer term deal jordan goodwin was signed to a longer term deal off of a two-way contract isaiah todd is still on this roster for another year though i don't expect he'll be on it after his guaranteed money runs out after the season Um, and Kendrick Nunn is an unrestricted free agent. I don't anticipate that Nunn is going to be brought back, but it could happen. Uh, This is probably the end of the line for Taj Gibson as well. Um, There will be some changes to this roster, and I think a new GM will try to put their imprint on this rotation uh, as they continue their perpetual push for playoff mediocrity, Um, and I think at this point just a push to try to even get in the play-in that will be likely the goal for this franchise next year so you could see some veteran pieces brought in um again pushing down some of their younger pieces that seems to be the wizard's way Um, and maybe that would change in this scenario where victor Weminyama goes to dc uh, but i think the push would be even harder uh to make the play and make the playoffs if they get Weminyama and get the attention that that is going to bring uh to the wizards the team with the next odds, the Utah Jazz, who have a 4.5% chance for the number one overall pick. And this would be a fun one as well. And uh, we spoke a little bit earlier about the Cleveland Cavaliers from the uh, 21-22 season with Laurie Markin and playing alongside Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. Boy, this looks similar. This projected starting lineup, uh, have Jordan Clarkson if he's brought back uh, – and assuming that he uh, either accepts his player option or he declines it and re-signs with the Jazz. I think he'll continue to start for them in this scenario. I have Ochai Agbaje, uh starting, and that might not be the case. Maybe they're going to play Colin Sexton there, although that would be a little bit of a smaller backcourt and a little bit deficient in three-point shooting to have him out there. I think he might come off the bench um, and be a little bit healthier. I think we'll see a better season from Colin Sexton coming up. But I think they like Agbaje. Uh They played him a lot down the stretch. Uh, and yes, that was in Silly season. Season, but I think the goal is to ramp him up uh, to attempting to see if he can be a starting wing 3 uh, and D guy in this upcoming season. Uh, so that's what I have projected here. And then uh, the super large lineup of Laurie Markinen, Victor Wembenyama, and Walker Kessler. Boy, uh, that yeah, that is again a lot of sizes, as as we've seen a lot uh, across a lot of these projected lineups. Um, We've seen Markkinen uh, play alongside uh, two larger players, as he did with Mobley and Jared Allen in Cleveland. This would shift Markkinen's value a little bit because they'd be adding in a high usage player. You you have to assume this is going to happen at some point, and that's why maybe I've been a little bit more tepid. Uh, I fully buy into what Markkinen did this past season, but I think it's entirely possible uh, that he's not going to be as uh, deadly efficient as he was this past season, his usage was not a huge leap forward for him. So that's not really the concern, even bringing in Weminyama, Um, it, it might bring a little bit of, uh, usage away from Markinen, but I still think he, he will be in a similar role, even in this scenario. Uh, But Markkinen is going to have to have a little bit of a different role if Wembenyama is going to be coming in and becoming the offensive focus of this team. Uh, So that's why I've held him back a little bit in my dynasty rankings relative to his age and performance level from this past season. Uh, But I still really like him. And I like Walker Kessler in this situation as well. I think he'd be a perfect fit next to Wembenyama. And it would truly be a no-fly zone. I cannot imagine teams uh, going anywhere near the paint with anything weak uh, that is not going to be rejected right back to them in a situation where you have Walker Kessler as the primary rim protector and Victor Wembanyama coming in on the weak side, blocking things that no other player in the NBA can. Uh, it, it would reshape the Jazz's defense into a truly special one almost automatically. Uh, and it would be really fun to watch. Otherwise, on this roster, uh, there's still some work to be done. Taylor Horton Tucker is very likely to come back on a player option. Uh, He showed a lot toward the end of this last season and kind of got put into a point guard role. Uh, You could see him put into a backup point guard role in this upcoming season, but you also still have Colin Sexton and even Chris Dunn coming back, who will uh, serve in uh, some kind of on-ball capacity off of the bench. I think Dunn showed enough that he likely will make this roster, uh, and his contributions defensively will probably make him valuable enough to have a nightly rotation role. Kelly Olenek will be back, uh, probably you know, in a similar role to what he was in the second half of the season as Kessler came on as the starting center. Um, and they also have the number 16 pick in the draft as well. So that's yet another prospect who's probably going to get minutes, uh, be part of this rotation and squeeze this rotation even more. It's going to be interesting to see what they do uh, with that and the number 28 pick as well. So three first round picks coming in on this team. Um, who all likely are going to demand some amount of minutes in development. I think that there's a lot of off-season development that we could see with the Jazz, whether it be Jordan Clarkson heading out, um, possible... That maybe Colin Sexton is not brought back on this team if they're going to try to move some package together, some things to be able to consolidate this roster. I expect a lot of movement from the Jazz and Danny Ainge. Um, and in this scenario where they get Victor Wembanyama, maybe that accelerates their timetable. And they uh, are not looking to tank in this upcoming season and looking to focus on trying to pivot into being a playing team after they had just a really surprising run during the 22 23 season. <laughs> The team with the next best odds, the Dallas Mavericks, who famously uh, bowed out of contending to try to make the play-in to tank and retain their pick. Again, uh, this pick, as long as it stays in their current position and they don't have any of the teams behind them move up in the lottery, will stay with them rather than going to the New York Knicks. And in the scenario where they get Victor Weminyama and all their dreams come true, the uh, it would be really exciting because getting to watch Luka Doncic and Victor Weminyama together uh, for the foreseeable future would be incredibly special. I think they'd be a great duo uh, and it would raise interesting questions. Are they going to bring back Kyrie Irving in the scenario? I think they would. And I think it probably makes it more likely that Irving stays because the Mavericks potential for the upcoming season would be, pretty strong. I think they would be a, uh, a, a surefire playoff team in the scenario, adding in Weminyama. and Yama, And I think that Irving would want to come back. Although me trying to predict or anyone trying to predict what Kyrie Irving thinks or wants to do, uh, is a fool's errand. So A lot on the line here for the Dallas offseason. Kyrie Irving, obviously an unrestricted free agent. Dallas can retain him with bird rights um, and likely will be highly leveraged to retain him with a lucrative long-term contract because losing him for nothing would leave them in a position where they have little in the way of options to be able to improve around Luka Doncic. Here, I don't anticipate that they bring back Christian Wood. It's possible, uh, but it felt like he had worn out his welcome in Dallas by the end of last season Um, as he has in so many other destinations throughout his NBA career. And he is an unrestricted free agent who is, I think, likely to move on to a different team. Um, That leaves a lot of the same cast that just wasn't good enough last year. And in this scenario, um, I think we're going to see more from Jaden Hardy in the upcoming season. Josh Green should continue to have a large rotation presence. You'll see a lot of Tim Hardaway Jr. um, as we have in prior seasons. And Maxi Kleber will hopefully be healthy and we'll be able to give them a little bit more. I think that was one of the big reasons that they struggled this past year because Kleber is so important to their defensive identity. Uh, Dwight Powell is an unrestricted free agent. I would imagine that they will try to bring him back on a uh, smaller deal than what they paid him in his last contract. uh, And that he'll still be in that high teens uh, starting center role that we saw him in through most of the season last year. Uh, I would still not love this roster, even adding in Wem and Yama, but it certainly would give them a lot of hope for the future. Um, and it would be great to be able to watch Luca and Victor together uh, for their NBA primes. I, I would really enjoy watching. I think we all would. Um, and this is obviously what Mark Cuban, it goes to sleep uh, dreaming of every single night. The next team with the next odds, the Chicago Bulls with 1.8% odds for the number one pick. Uh, the Bulls, uh, if they threaded the needle and got the Victor Weminyama with a one point eight percent odds would truly bail them out in what looks like a uh, pretty difficult situation where a team is just kind of struck uh, stuck on the treadmill of mediocrity. But there are some important decisions for this bulls off season. i my projected starting lineup for them, if they did get Victor Weminyama would push Patrick Williams uh, permanently to the bench, uh, even though they already uh, pushed him down there at points last season. Uh, I think given that Patrick Beverly is an unrestricted free agent and likely to go to the highest bidder, there's a good chance that he moves on. I would could move back into a starting role as we're not likely to see uh, Lonzo Ball at all in the 2023-2024 NBA season as he recovers from yet another knee surgery. Um, and that, of course, leaves Zach, Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan in that starting lineup. Uh, Nikola Vucevic is an unrestricted free agent it remains to be seen whether they're going to bring him back but i think based on what the comments that we heard from the bulls front office uh after the season They want to continue to be in -in, play-in playoff contention and stay in the middle of the pack in the Eastern Conference and continue to try to win. Uh, That tells me, especially after how much they gave up, even though it's a sunk cost to get Nikola Vucevic, I think they're probably going to bring him back. And hopefully for them, it's on a contract that gives them some flexibility for the future. Uh, But I think they're leveraged here if the mandate is to continue on this path with this roster. Now, obviously, bringing in Victor Wembinyama would change everything for the Chicago Bulls, even though it is unlikely Um, in this scenario. They would likely be a playoff team. I think Victor would be a a massive addition. It would give them a new identity as a team. I think it would make it likely that they would bring back Vucevic because he would be a good fit next to to Wembinyama as a center. Um, And it would mean that they needed a veteran presence around him because they would be likely a playoff team as soon as next season. Otherwise, on this roster, uh, Kobe White is a restricted free agent. I think that um, it's probably likely that they bring him back. Uh, I think the contract will be reasonable. It will probably, in the long term, slot him in as more of a sixth man. Kobe White had a pretty good season this past year. I think he made some improvements. He's not going to be the player that the Bulls hoped for when they drafted him in the lottery, uh, but he certainly can be a competent guard uh, off of the bench, and I think he'll continue in that role. Alex Caruso will obviously be back wreaking havoc in backcourts. Uh, Dalen Terry, I think, is going to step up into a little bit of a larger role in this upcoming season, um, be a more uh, consistent part of the night rotation at six, seven with his length. I think that he could be a really important piece for them long-term and they should prioritize developing him. And unfortunately, this would be a hit to Patrick Williams in the scenario where Wem comes in, who already had, saw his minutes be a little bit inconsistent this past year. I still like Patrick Williams. I'm not sure what the Bulls are doing. Um, and they, they didn't seem to be focusing on giving him more opportunity to grow. I think that is their best path, unless they do get this lucky to get Wembinyama to get out of mediocrity, to develop Patrick Williams into a a strong starting wing. Um, But I don't know if they think that way. And I think you would obviously see Williams take a step back and roll if they did bring in Wambinyama. And it's unclear whether the Bulls are going to prioritize him as a starter in the upcoming season regardless. Um, Andre Drummond has a player option that I expect him to exercise and be back as a backup center on this team. Uh, Derek Jones Jr. It'll be interesting to see. He has a player option as well. I think he would probably, uh, take that and come back to the team, but we will see. Um, And one minor thought on the Bulls that I want to be able to hit on uh, Lonzo Ball. Like I said, I don't expect to be back for the 23-24 season. I think we'll see him back in 24-25, however. And Lonzo, if you're talking about dynasty by lows, uh, it's about as low as it gets right now. I think a lot of people, based on the reporting that we've heard, are assuming that Lonzo is, you know, maybe his career is in jeopardy. I have some degree of optimism uh, that getting cartilage replacement, he's getting new cartilage put into his knee. Um, and this has been done for some professional athletes to great success. It's allowed some NBA basketball players to have full careers where their career was on the brink of e- ending. Uh, it's in a surgery that is relatively new. It's really only been around for about a decade, uh, but they've improved at it. And the recent, uh, the recent results that we've seen from professional athletes have been really strong. This will effectively allow Lanza Ball to have a new knee. Uh, he is bone on bone. Uh, most likely in that knee at this point. That's why they've turned to cartilage replacement. This is adding in new cartilage uh, entirely, cartilage that hasn't been playing basketball uh, every day uh, on a hard court for his entire life, the way that Lonzo Balls was. And I think you could see a dramatic shift in his career and the return maybe to Lonzo Ball near 100% in the 24-25 season. So, I'm going to be exploring adding Lonzo Ball in as many leagues as I can because I think the price is going to be exceedingly low, Um, and I do have some degree of hope. We'll see um, as reporting comes out, but uh, this is a development, uh, while it's a major surgery, I think it could be an extremely positive one and one that could uh, save his career. The team with the next best odds, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the lovable Oklahoma City Thunder who uh, almost fought their way into the playoffs, winning a play-in game, uh, and I'm already excited. Even if they don't win win Victor Wembanyama in the draft, and they only have 1.7% odds to do it, uh, this team adding in Chet Holmgren, adding in another lottery pick, all the potential moves that they can make with the assets that they have, uh, this is going to be a team on the rise. I think they will be a playoff team regardless of moving up in the lottery. Obviously, if they added Victor Weminyama, they're going to be a playoff team next year. But even just bringing in Chet Holmgren is going to give them exactly what they needed in this past season, rim protection, which they sorely lacked. I think Chet is going to be an amazing fit next to their core. I cannot wait to watch this team in the upcoming season. And in this scenario, I would project a starting lineup of Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Josh Giddey, Victor Weminyama, and Chet Holmgren. Um, yes, yes. The the uh, reality of having Victor Weminyama and Chet Holmgren together on the same court uh, would be incredible to watch. It would make them must-see TV every single night. And I think they would work well together uh, because they can play inside and out, because they have the ability to be able um, to play, uh, to, to protect the rim, uh, to be able to defend in space to some degree. Uh, it would be awesome to watch. And yes, this would put Dort uh, into a backup role. You already saw Dort's minutes creep down a little bit this year. Um, I think Lou Dort is a valuable piece in a rotation. I think he could be extremely valuable as a defensive player, as we saw from him in this past season and and in seasons prior. But I think that 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 would be the most likely move here um, to play this kind of lineup where all five guys can pass, dribble, and shoot at that size. Where the smallest player is Shea Gilgis-Alexander at 6'7". This supersized, skilled lineup, uh, once it develops fully, could win NBA titles. And that's something that would, I think, be a likelihood with Victor Weminyama in the long-term core. Uh, But even without him, I think that the Oklahoma City Thunder, once this team is fully developed, once these players are in their prime, because of the development of Jalen Williams, because of all of the ability they have to add in uh, star pieces along the way with all their draft assets, this team is as as on the rise as any team in the nba uh, and i think will be a playoff team next year regardless of whether they add in weminyama otherwise in this rotation uh there's going to be a little bit of a crunch um in this situation especially adding in weminyama or whether it's just a late lottery pick uh minutes for alexei pokoshevski usman jang uh they could be difficult to come by uh, because you're going to have kenrich williams coming back in who the thunder absolutely love they love aaron wiggins as well um Jalen Williams is probably going to be the backup center, but what does that mean for Jeremiah Robinson Earl? And they also have the number 35 and number 37 picks. So there's just a lot of pieces. And we knew this crunch was going to happen eventually with all the picks that the Thunder had. Um, they've done a good job drafting. And, and sometimes the outcome of that is that it's difficult to be able to fit all of these players into your rotation going forward and give them all minutes. You already saw them pull the ripcord on Darius Baisley, a former first round pick on Isaiah Roby. Um, and just to say, you know, we don't have room and give up on those players. Players. That might continue on this next year. Um, you know, depending on who they add, is Trey Mann in the long-term plans for this team? It's unclear. A, a Jeremiah robinson Rule is someone that they could also give up on at some point. And I, I think that's something, if you're holding on to some of these l- lower-end rotation players, uh, while I lo- still really like Usman Jang and Alexi Pokashevsky Pokoshe- in this situation where they're bringing in Victor Wembanyama, they're not going to be prioritized anymore. And their best case scenario is fighting for those kind of rotation forward minutes behind that core. And I think that is something that we all need to be mindful of that. While I like a lot of these young players on this team, there aren't enough minutes for all of them. And we're going to be watching this closely as the off season continues to see how the Thunder either consolidate what they add on to this core um, and what the rotation might look like next year and beyond. The team with the next best odds, the Toronto Raptors, um, who have already fired Nick Nurse, are looking to add a new head coach. And boy, would this be a dream scenario and a little bit of an awkward one because because they dr- traded for Jakob Pertl. Um, they're likely to resign him. He is an unrestricted free agent, but they gave up a first round pick to get him. I'd imagine that that came with an understanding of what his next contract might look like. Uh, Pertle is going to likely be the starting center regardless of what happens in the draft lottery. And I think he would be in the situation where they won with their 1% odds and got Victor Weminyama. Weminyama at power forward uh, kind of pushes Pascal Siakam into kind of an awkward fit as a small forward. And here, I would assume in this scenario that Fred Van Vliet might not be back. Uh, He's got a player option that he is likely to decline. And I think he will have a lot of demand in free agency. I I kind of anticipate this might be the direction that the Raptors are going to go anyway to hand the team over to kind of a point forward in Scottie Barnes. That seems to be where things are headed. That a major shakeup for this roster is in the cards. And I think it especially would be in this scenario with Victor Weminyama. This obviously would be a massive starting lineup, maybe the biggest that we've seen so far. Uh, we've seen a lot of big ones. This is maybe the biggest, uh, because you would have a uh, a lineup where it's Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, Weminyama, and pertle Um, and I think that in this scenario, and maybe regardless of whether when Minyama comes in, you're going to see more from the Raptors bench in the upcoming season, and you're not going to see the super high minutes that you saw from Nick Nurse, uh, probably something a little bit more the NBA, along the NBA norm. I think that Malachi Flynn uh, might get a little bit more opportunity uh, where the lineups aren't as focused on supersized wings at all positions. Um, And it's going to be really interesting to see what gets done in the offseason around the center position. Precious Sechua obviously was kind of forced into a role behind Jakob Pertl, uh, but played next to him a little bit uh, after that trade happened. And you're seeing Otto Porter already accepting his player option. Will Otto Porter be healthy enough to be able to play in the upcoming season? Uh, Do they bring back Will Barton, who will be an unrestricted free agent? My guess is no. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. is a huge decision point for them. He has a player option that he's likely to decline. Uh, He could get quite a bit of money, as we've seen shooters get a lot in free agency in the past few years. I'll be interested to see, given how they reduced uh, Trent's role, through the back end of the season if they're going to pay him to come back. Um, While it could be difficult to lose him for nothing, I think that there's a possibility that they do. And that's going to be a big decision point for the Raptors during this offseason as well. And finally, we've made it to the end of the line. The team with the 14th best odds in the NBA draft lottery, the New Orleans Pelicans, have a near 0.5% chance for the number one pick. And this is actually interesting because projecting this starting lineup, this is the one case where I did not put a traditional starting center next to Victor Weminyama, and that's because of Zion Williamson. I don't think you can put out a lineup of Jonas Valanciunas, Victor Weminyama, and Zion Williamson and have that work. Uh, And I think in this scenario, you could put Weminyama and Zion out there together and it would wreak havoc uh, on NBA teams Uh, because of the complementary skill sets that you would have between the two of them. So this projected starting lineup is CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, Trey Murphy III, Zion Williamson, and Victor Weminyama. And that leaves this, uh, well, okay, number one, the first thing that you'll notice there is that I have Trey Murphy III in the starting lineup instead of Herb Jones. I don't know if that will happen. Obviously, the Pelicans like playing Herb Jones because of his defensive impact, because they have some deficient defensive players in that starting lineup. But Trey Murphy is no slouch defensively. I think he will continue to improve there. And he is so much better of an offensive fit in this lineup than Herb Jones. I think Trey Murphy, his spacing ability and some of the ability that he showed scoring off of the dribble this year, uh, his efficiency at the rim, it's an excellent fit next to Zion, and I think it would be an absolutely deadly offense with these five in a projected starting lineup. Now, maybe Herb Jones does stay in a starting role. That's entirely possible, but I believe in Trey Murphy the third long-term as a starting player. I think that he will have a larger role regardless of whether Zion Williamson plays a full season or close to a full season this year. I think Trey Murphy will still have a big role on this Pelicans team. He showed too much this past season uh, to get pushed back down. And I think it will probably come at the expense of Herb Jones, who just hasn't developed enough as a consistent shooter to warrant the big minutes that he has been getting long term. He has to develop in that area if he's going to continue to be a big minute starter as good as he is defensively. I still think he needs to shoot. I think we'll see a little bit more Dyson Daniels, uh, at least more consistently in this upcoming season. Uh, Daniels is going to make a big leap forward, whether it be in year two or year three. I really believe in him long-term um, as a guy who will be an NBA starter and a really impactful player in fantasy because of his assist and steal rates. I am fully still on the Dyson Daniels bandwagon. um, And I think we'll see a little bit more of them in this upcoming year. Um, We're obviously going to see Larry Nance Jr. and Jonas Valanciunas in this scenario, probably in reduced roles. We already saw Valanciunas kind of, reducing in his role in this past season, despite Zion being out for long stretches, Larry Nance jr proved to be super valuable. And I think he will continue to be super valuable off the bench, as long as he can stay healthy. And what you see this, there's a lot of talent on this Pelicans roster. They're going to have a lot of talent, another lottery pick coming in. Um, and, someone like Najee Marshall who played a huge role last year, you know, I think he'll still find his way into minutes because he proved to be a very solid rotation wing. Uh, Kyra Lewis Jr., a former lottery pick, they'll they'll try to work him in as well as they did in this past season, but it's difficult to find big minutes for him when you still have Jose Alvarado on this roster, who they're going to want to play. Jackson Hayes as a restricted free agent is really interesting. I'm not sure if Hayes is going to be brought back in New Orleans. I think he's unhappy there. Uh, I don't know if they're happy with him there, Um, but I, I don't know if they're going to rescind his uh, qualifying offer. So I would imagine that he's back um, and it might be difficult for him to find a suitor in restricted free agency. Um, but that's something to monitor because Hayes is one of those guys in fantasy that if he ever does get the opportunity to play to play big minutes, he could be um, a really big fantasy contributor. All right, we've done it. We made it to the end of the line I'm talking through the multiverse of 14 different realities where Victor Wembanyama goes to the 14 different lottery teams. We talked some NBA rotations, some minutes projections for the upcoming season. Um, and we're going to continue to look at that as the year, uh, as the off season moves on. Now, to finish things out, I know we've already gone long uh, today, but I want to be able to get to the Patreon mailbag because every week I'm going to try to give uh, my supporters on Patreon the opportunity to have their questions answered live on the air um, and to give a little bit of insight that goes beyond what I can put in a tweet, what I can put in a comment, uh, talk through some of these situations. We're going to go through these rapid fire uh, because we're already well over an hour. So let's get right to it. Um, first question, do you see Isaiah Jackson or Paul Reed getting more minutes value next year? Well, the problem is they have a impediment that is a strong starting center in front of them. Isaiah Jackson, uh, I hope he can lock down the backup center role as we talked about earlier with Indiana, but miles Turner is likely to still be there. I think the Pacers are going to be better next season and Turner will not be traded most likely. So the best hope for Jackson is a backup role where he can still be a strong contributor in, uh, blocks because he has one of the best block rates in the entire NBA. Paul Reed, similar. Unless Joel Embiid gets hurt, uh, they're not going to be playing Paul Reed and Joel Embiid together. But what we've seen from Paul Reed in the playoffs suggests he is a long-term rotation big. And he's a restricted free agent this year. I would imagine that the Sixers are going to prioritize bringing him back on a long-term deal that'll make him their long-term backup center. Uh, But Embiid, can always get hurt. And Paul Reed could blow up because he's an incredible permanent producer. These are both guys that need to be rostered in dynasty leagues. You need to stash them at the end of the bench because the permanent production is so good. And if they ever got the minute, the opportunity to play bigger minutes, they would blow up next question. And I think we covered this one, but just to be able to make sure that it's covered, how about Trey Murphy and his role? Once Zion comes back, I projected uh, Trey Murphy to start even in the scenario where they get Wembenyama. Uh, I think they should start him in the upcoming season. I think he needs to play over 30 minutes a night. I think he's a really good player. I think he could fit on any, any NBA team and the Pelicans would be foolish to limit him because they want to play Herb Jones more minutes uh, because they don't think he's a good fit next to Zion. He's a good fit next to Zion. He's a good fit next to anyone because he can shoot the three at a 40% clip uh, because he's 6'9 uh, with a strong wingspan um, and he's a good, solid NBA defender who could become a very good NBA defender with time. Who are some of your dynasty buy lows? Um, this is always a tough question because it depends on your league um, and your league size, but thinking about more of a standard league um, and some players who maybe underperformed this year and saw their dynasty value drop a little bit, Uh, who I think could come back up. Um, When you're talking about higher-level players, I think Jalen Green and Jabari Smith Jr., uh, both underachieved this past year, but I believe in them long-term, and I think Emmy Udoka is going to steady the ship. Both of them are going to be a big part of the future in Houston, and I see both of them improving both this next year and beyond. I would buy low on them. Um, I would buy low on Wendell Carter Jr., who struggled with injury this past year um, and hasn't brought back the block rate that he showed early in his career in Chicago, but I still think he's going to be a really strong starting center for a long time. All the advanced show that Wendell Carter Jr. is a really good player. Uh, I'm buying him long term. And uh, moving down a little bit more into some players who might be outside the top 100 of Dynasty rankings, um, some guys on the Warriors. I still like Jonathan Kaminga. I think he became a good defensive player this year. I think he learned to become a smarter offensive player this year. But the athleticism and size, the prototypical size for a wing, are still there. And he has some on on ball creation ability still. Um, I I think there's still a possibility that in his prime, Jonathan Kaminga is not only a starter, but could end up being a really good fantasy producer. Um, And I think some people's perception of him has diminished, and it's because the Warriors just don't give him the minutes that some of these non-contending teams usually give to lottery picks. I think if you were on a non-contending team, Kaminga would be valued much higher in Dynasty because people would be seeing what he can do, um, and I still really like him long-term. Moses Moody. Is uh, getting some smattering of opportunity in the playoffs. Um, I still really like him. He's still very young. I think that he could be in a good NBA player long-term and he will be exceedingly cheap to get in a trade. Uh, so he'd be a player that I would target. And some other guys who would probably be cheap, who have fantasy potential, uh, that kind of raw per minute fantasy upside, Isaiah Jackson, who we just talked about, Bones Highland, uh, still, you know, obviously I think that you're buying real low well right now with him after he just kind of got sold off for nothing to the Clippers by the Nuggets. Uh, but. With the future in L.A. a little bit uncertain with the Clippers, with Kawhi maybe missing the beginning of the season, um, Bones Highland still has will have some opportunity uh, to, to create on ball, to be a spark plug off of the bench, and I think he's probably getting pretty cheap in most dynasty leagues. I still like him because of the potential that he has as a scorer. Uh, the potential that he has in assists. Uh, some other guys, uh, Jake LaRavia, uh, this is extremely buying low. You know he was a guy that I really liked pre-draft because he had that very smooth, roto-friendly stat set where he doesn't really hurt you on anything, good stealing block rates out of college, uh, but we didn't really see a whole lot other than some flashes in a few games from LaRavia. I think long-term he could end up being a really good piece for Memphis. And I'm guessing you can get him for next to nothing right now. Um, so at the end of a bench in a uh, standard dynasty league, might be a fit, um, might be on the waiver wire, to be honest. And that's somebody that I would watch Memphis's offseason to see if you might get more opportunity in the upcoming season. A um, I, I name from last preseason that everyone was excited about, who kind of faded into the background during the regular season, uh, Nikola Jovich uh, on the Miami Heat. I still really like him, young prospect, um, but a big wing who has some playmaking ability um, and showed some nice scoring flashes in the preseason last year. Uh, But people have probably forgotten about him a little bit. uh, So someone that I'd be willing to buy low on. Um, Is Ben Simmons a lost cause? We're moving through these quickly, so I will uh, give this an absolute answer and say yes. If you are expecting Ben Simmons to ever get back to who he was early in his career uh, in Philadelphia, I don't think that's coming back. Between the back issues, uh, the mental health issues that he struggled with, and just the overall uh, inability to develop and uh, any kind of shot, um, or to improve his game. I don't see Ben Simmons becoming a star NBA player again, or a star fantasy player. Uh, what is possible is that he could become and accept uh, becoming more of a defensive focused role player and still have some fantasy value. That's why I haven't completely bottomed him, bottomed him out in my dynasty rankings. Uh, but whether Brooklyn keeps him or finds a way to be able to move off of his contract, uh, there's a lot of growth that needs to come happen from Ben Simmons. And that just hasn't been something that he's done in his NBA career so far. Next one, staying with the Nets, why on earth is Jacques Vaughn holding Cam Thomas back and is a trade the only way we see Thomas reach his full potential? Um, Thomas got 15 playoff minutes and was minus 13 in that time. That's not an individual statistic, but it is indicative of the poor defensive impact that he has. He was 36th percentile in defensive EPM, uh, but 94th percentile in usage in a a 16-minute-a-night role. That kind of role is... Is not something that super high usage role, but poor on defense for a smaller guard. Um, it's difficult to walk the the tightrope to be able to maintain that kind of role, and he just ca- probably can't be that high of a usage player. Um, he needs to find a way to be able to fit into an NBA role that's conducive to winning basketball. He hasn't done that yet. The scoring is awesome, and the shooting improved a lot this year. And I still like Cam Thomas, uh, but he's going to have to change in a player if any NBA team is going to give him a long term starting role. Uh, what do you think about? the Imei-Yudoka hiring in Houston. We talked a little bit about this before. I think it'll bring a strong defensive identity uh, to the Rockets, but the big question is how much of a pivot uh, toward veteran players are they going to make this offseason with all their cap space? What kind of trades are they going to make? Um, I think that remains to be seen. I still think that Jalen Green, Jabari Smith Jr., Alper and Shangoon are going to be a big part of the core next year and beyond for Houston, uh, but it remains to be seen what other kind of veteran pieces they're going to bring in and how that's going to impact things. Uh, and that's going to be the big tipping point more So than it is Udoka. All right, what are your thoughts on the Detroit coaching search now that it's narrowed down to three? Uh, Well. I will say that the reporting is not that it's narrowed down to those three, that those are just three front runners who are going to have further interviews with the Pistons. Um, I think the Pistons are going to have a slower process where they're going to see maybe some other candidates are going to come into the fold. If there are going to be some coaches fired, um, I I think they'll take their time Um, to talk about the three candidates. uh, Charles Lee is a Milwaukee Bucks assistant coach. Um, He was, he's been a long time Budenholzer assistant. He was also with the Hawks with Budenholzer. Um, Obviously we know that Budenholzer Holzer tree, there's been a lot of uh, coaches who have come off of it, most recently Darvin Ham. Um, so that, that would be an interesting fit. Obviously, the Bucs, uh, the Bloom is, is off the rose at the moment for the Bucs after their exit against the Miami Heat. Um, but it'll be interesting to see whether Charles Lee gets a head coaching job. He's been rumored to be in contention for head coaching positions for a little while now uh jaron collins uh coached for the warriors before a stint with the pelicans um and then obviously kevin ollie played briefly at oklahoma city during the beginning of troy weaver's time there uh before a stint as uconn's head coach he's the current uh coach at overtime elite, uh, where the Thompson twins, uh, who are the two of the top prospects in the 2023 NBA draft played this past year. Uh, they're all interesting. I, I think that, you know, it just remains to be seen whether they're actually the only candidates. Um, and I think we'll see how this process plays out going forward with them. Um, next question. Wanted to know if you had any specific thoughts on Nas Reed UFA this off season, and it feels like he's in line for a bigger role. Uh, With the crowded front court in Minnesota, does he return? Uh, This is going to be interesting to see. Nas Reed is not a good defensive center, and that's going to limit his role. Uh, In the NBA, it's just difficult right now to be able to play someone who can't uh, move well enough defensively at center and have a competent NBA defense. I think he's probably, in a best-case scenario, you're hoping for kind of a a role in the 20s in minutes uh, where he gets to be kind of a Montrezl Harrell off of the bench, uh, where he gets to initiate Um, or be a big part of the offense, uh, get a high usage bench role. That's probably what you're hoping for for Reed. I don't know if there's a starting role that's going to be available for him in this offseason. I wouldn't expect that. Um, It's possible that the Timberwolves move Cat. It's possible that they move Rudy Gobert and that kind of move and they keep Reed and he gets more minutes that way. Uh, But if you're expecting him to launch into the top 100 in fantasy, I, I don't necessarily see that kind of role coming for him, even though he is a good per minute producer and obviously had some great games this season for the wolves when they were shorthanded last question here and we're going deep into future draft classes do you think cooper flag will reclassify and end up eligible for the 2025 draft now if you don't know cooper flag uh is potentially right now part of the 2026 nba draft class might be the number one pick in the 2026 nba draft will have some stiff competition from cam boozer who's carlos boozer's son uh, those two might be the best number one and number two pick that we've had in recent memory, if that's the en- way it ends up playing out, but flag was born in 2006. So it's possible that he reclassifies to be in the 2025 NBA draft, uh, which would be a big boost to that draft, which at least right now, and it's early, doesn't look like a great draft flag. If you don't know is from Maine, he is a 6,8, uh, 200 pound, uh, player who is already kind of a two-way monster. Uh, and has the potential to be an awesome fantasy player. Uh, He's putting up incredible numbers in the EYBL right now um, and has great potential to be kind of a steal and block monster on top of a big time score. He's kind of the next big thing right now, along with Cam Boozer in in upcoming draft classes, and he might be the best prospect in the world once Victor Wempanyama is drafted. So I think it is entirely possible that Flag does reclassify I don't know if I'm making moves to acquire 2025 draft picks uh, to be able to get him because he could still be part of the 2026 class. Uh, but the golden loom of dynasty trades, the idea that you trade late first round picks in the current draft to be able to get earlier picks in future rounds, um, while that concept is a little bit weaker for the 2024 class, because I don't think it'll be as strong, um, it's always, there's always talent coming in. So if the, if you do have later first round picks this year, if you can get better picks in the future, it's always something to consider strongly. And I think if flag does move to 2025, it'll be a huge boost for that NBA draft class. Well, folks, we have made it to the end of the line. We covered it all. Uh, This episode of the NBA Dynasty podcast is in the books. If you want more shows, please subscribe to the Fantasy Basketball International channel on YouTube and give us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice. Uh, If you are not already subscribed on your podcast app of choice, just search for Fantasy Basketball International and you will find this feed. It makes a huge difference if you give us a rating review on a podcast platform. It makes a huge difference to subscribe and like these videos to be able to help us get a larger audience. And it means the world the amount of support that you've already given. Um, if you have any comments, suggestions, or questions, uh, topics that you want to see on shows, please reply below in this video or send me a comment on uh, Twitter at NBA Dynasty ADP. And if you want to support the show and keep the shows coming, please consider supporting me on Patreon at patreon.com/slash NBA Dynasty ADP. We will see you all next time. Thank you so much for supporting the show, and I look forward to doing this in the future.